0: Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Don't we all just crave the friendship of women who will open up their hearts and share their ups and downs and their biggest life lessons with us? Today's episode is a peek into my friendship with one such woman who has blessed my life so much in the almost six years since I moved to a small town in Idaho. Michelle was actually the very first person to introduce herself to me when we attended a church picnic in our new town, and she has become a dear friend, mentor, and confidant to me in the years since. In today's episode, she is generously sharing some of the parenting lessons she has learned while raising teenagers and supporting her adult children as they continue to grow and change. I know you're going to be so touched by her authenticity and wise heart, and I'm just so grateful she would share these tender life lessons with us, and that her children gave their permission as well. They are an incredible family. By way of background, Michelle Barrow is a mom of four and a grandma of six. She graduated in English teaching years ago, and she's currently in the Stanford online writing program where she is rewriting a novel that she hopes to publish within a couple of years. She says that her most memorable and greatest teachers are her children and she truly feels that she is getting her doctorate in how to be an authentic, self-aware, and responsible human at the Barrow Family School of Excellence. You're going to hear a bit more about the lessons she's learning in that unofficial doctorate program in today's episode. So let's dive in. Here's my conversation with my dear friend, Michelle Barrow. Michelle, welcome to 3 and 30 I am so excited to talk to you today.
1: Me too. So nice to be here.
0: Well, I am in your in real life friend. And so it's really fun to get to talk to someone on my show that I talk to on a regular basis all about the ups and downs of parenting. And you've been a real mentor to me. You're ahead of me in parenting. We've gotten to talk and hear your wisdom and advice. And you have a really unique motherhood experience with your four children. So I was wondering if you could just start by telling us a little bit about your family and your mothering experience.
1: Yes. I have four children and I have two older daughters. One is 34 and one is 32. And they are both married and they have three children each. And then 10 years later, we adopted a little boy when he was three days old. And then five years after that, we had a surprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she is so great. And we had another little girl. So there's 17 years between the oldest and the youngest, 10 years between the two sets, kind of. Mm -hmm. It is interesting because I think I have a pretty unique perspective. Those kids are at such different stages in the world.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: So the older kids, they had like my spank. (laughs) I don't even know if you remember that. Oh, I
0: remember MySpace. Yeah,
1: I remember instant messaging was just coming in. So they would be on the computer, kind of instant messaging. They didn't have smartphones at all. And then the younger kids, they have smartphones and they have, oh, everything. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's really changed the way you've parented your two sets has had to be different. So you had this experience of raising these first two and then these next two, I mean, I've heard you describe really kind of threw you for a loop because you thought you had it all figured out with the first two, right?
1: Yeah. I really had to change parenting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I sound old, but it really felt like things were going so fast. I just couldn't keep up. And I still feel that way. I still feel like I can't figure out the apps fast enough Hmm. before they can figure them out, you know, so we just had to change the way we were doing things.
0: Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot today about your experience of sort of changing gears and figuring out how to parent kids that were in a different generation that had different needs and even you're older too, you know, you think you're done raising kids at 18 and you think like, okay, Uh we got it all figured out. And then in their adulthood questions and things come up for them and you're like, wow, I didn't foresee that in my child's story. And here they are in their thirties and they're an adult and I'm an adult and I'm still their mom. And so kind of trying to figure out that relationship I know has been interesting for you, right? Yes.
1: Yes. And it's funny because The way I had to change my parenting for the younger kids helped me be a better parent to the older kids when they were changing the way I thought their life would go. Mm -hmm. So it's just so great. It's so great to be a parent and it just makes you be better than you would be. If you didn't have kids
0: and the challenges that come up with your kids really push you to become a better version of yourself and a more compassionate listener. And so, although I don't think any of us would wish, you know, I hope that I have really strong-willed hard kids, or I hope that my kids go through challenges and rebel. We don't want that. And yet when it happens, it makes us better humans and it makes us better parents.
1: So much, so much.
0: Well, I'm excited for you to share and some of your personal experiences. So let's start with your first takeaway.
1: Okay. So my first takeaway is give your child, your teenager, your young adult space for their own story. And really it's best if it starts when they are young. So for your listeners that are thinking, oh, my teenage years are so far away, it's really great if you can look at this and look at their stories that you have kind of written in your mind for them, but also their stories that they are going to write. So I did ask my son if I could share this story, and he said yes. So when he was adopted. He was only three days old and his bio mom and bio dad are great people. They weren't going to get married and they believed it would be better for their baby to grow up with two parents who were ready to raise a child. So my son's bio parents placed him with us out of love. They chose us Mm -hmm. and we got to raise him in love. Everything everyone did for him without of love. That's the story he grew up with. It's the story I believe to be true, but this is a story that I pushed into his life and I did not give him space for any other story. So as my son got older, he hid from us the thoughts he was having about his adoption. So some of his questions I know now were, what if I could have been happier with my bio parents? What if I wasn't enough for my bio parents? That's why they really placed me. He was confused, but he didn't talk to us about it because he didn't want to hurt us, right?
0: Yeah. He wanted to go along with the story that he'd been told yes. and didn't want to ask anything that would threaten that story because he was afraid it would hurt you.
1: Yes, and truthfully... I wouldn't really entertain other parts of the story. Mm. So then when he turned 18, he separately met both of his bio parents and their families. And he could see his bio parents were great people. And I'm thinking, look at, he's winning his story. is just how I told him. <laughs> see how much they love you. See how great these people are. And it's all true. All of that's true. But I had no idea all the questions that had been percolating for a while. And, you know, like Jack Nicholson says in A Few Good Men, you can't handle the truth. Mm. I think that's what he thought about us. And I was kind of showing signs that I couldn't handle the truth because I only wanted this one story. But now that I know the truth.
0: Now that you know his truth, now yes. that you know more of his perspective.
1: Yes, yes. I could have handled it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would it have been painful? Yes, it would have been painful. And it was painful when we started seeing his questions and his story. Mm -hmm. So one of the things he was asking was, wasn't I enough? You know, is that why they placed me? Like, what is wrong when they can't keep their baby? Mm -hmm. And I must not have been good enough to keep. And the funny thing is, I was kind of asking the same question as a parent. Like, wasn't I enough? And I think that's the question I was trying to protect is I'm good enough to be your mom Mm. and I am going to be a great mom. I'm going to be the perfect mom for you.
0: I'm going to be so good that you'll never have questions about. You'll always be unconditionally grateful for this story you've been given because I'm going to be so good. Yes, yes. I relate, Michelle, because I'm an adoptive mom, too, as you know. And so I relate. Yes,
1: I think it's really apparent with adoption. But the truth is that question comes up with birth children, too. Mm. You know, when your children are having struggles, it's easy to be like, what did I do wrong? Why is this child having this trouble with this? Didn't I teach them enough? Wasn't I enough? Didn't I love them right? So I just think it's very apparent with adoption, but with bio children, you have the same questions. And those questions come really strong when you have teenagers and young adults because they're starting to be free to make their own decisions And sometimes their decisions are really hard to watch. So, yeah, I believe if we could have made space for him to explore those other stories with me and his dad, if he could have talked to us about it, I think it would have saved him some heartache Mm. and tough decisions as he was moving into adulthood. Mm.
0: And so, how would you do it differently now?
1: When we were talking about his bio parents, when he said, why did they place me? I would have just always prefaced that with, I don't know all the reasons, but one of the reasons is because they loved you and they wanted Mm. you to be in a family with a mom and dad. They thought that would really be good for you. So just that little, I don't know everything. One of the reasons is, you know, just not making it all about them. Like no one wants all that burden that everything was about them because that's not true. There were other reasons,
0: I'm sure. Yes. And I have to say, Michelle, it's been such a blessing to me with my adopted son to hear you talk about your experience with Hunter, to talk through these ups and downs with you, because it's changed the way that I talk to Noah about his adoption. And so I'm so grateful to you for sharing this and grateful to Hunter for being willing to allow you to share this because. I'll tell Noah all the time, I'll say, you're going to have lots of different feelings about your adoption over the course of your life. And I want you to know it's all okay. Whatever you feel is okay. And you can talk to me about it. And I'm not going to feel betrayed. I'm not going to feel like you don't love me. This is a complex thing and you're allowed to have your feelings about it. And I think just as you mentioned, this is true, not just of children who are adopted. This is true of all children, you are going to have a lot of complex feelings, doubts, questions about anything that we've taught you in our home. And you're allowed to come to us with those and to express your story. And we will listen to you is really important. Yes. And you mentioned a little bit about how your experience with your younger kids helped you with your older kids. How did this experience with Hunter make you a better mom to your other children as well?
1: Well, one of my older children has gone through a faith journey where she's questioned the faith she grew up in and the religion she grew up in. And there's some things that she would like to see changed that she thinks would be better. And as I've kind of watched that, I'm letting her have her story, right? Because I want to say sometimes, no, no go back to what is true for me and the way I see it. But instead, I just really try to listen and to hear what she's saying and to let her have her own story. And in doing that, I'm not blocking out other things that are true. Um, I'm seeing some truths that she's right, that there's Mm. some things that can change. So that's kind of a nice place to be, right? To be curious and good at listening, instead of just saying, no, it needs to be this way. I know this is the right way. This is the best way.
0: Yeah. The only story that is true is the story that I want to believe or that I've been telling you versus saying, well, that story has been true for me and I believe it's a good story, but that doesn't mean that other people's stories and the way that they've experienced the world and life isn't true as well. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Because we can't sit together in my living room and catch up over a warm drink, consider this a quick mental health check-in. How are you doing? What are you managing in your life right now? Do you feel supported through it? I used to daydream about parenting being a little less complex as my children got older, and now I'm learning that this is anything but true. As our children grow, their challenges often do too, and therapy has been an invaluable tool to support me as I support my kids. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists, available 100% online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. They also offer counseling for teenagers, so whether it's you or your child or both that needs support, BetterHelp can help. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash three thirty today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash three and thirty. This podcast is also sponsored by Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. How are you feeling about feeding your family right now? I love utilizing meal planning services like Green Chef because it takes the guesswork out of what we are going to eat and how we are going to get it on the table. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. I love that Green Chef makes it possible for me to cook new and exciting meals instead of just relying on our boring old favorites. With all of the ingredients in pre-portioned quantities, along with a detailed cooking instruction card, I'm making things I otherwise would never think to make. The sesame ginger chicken was perfect for our family of four, the flavor was just right, and there were lots of veggies for Ryan and me to enjoy. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh, so with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. With so many customizable options, you can't go wrong with Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Go to greenchef.com slash 3in3060 and use code 3in3060 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash 3in3060 and use code 3in3060 to get 60% off plus free shipping. And all of these takeaways really lead one into the other, which is what makes them so powerful. What is your second takeaway about parenting teens and young adults with love?
1: Yeah, don't get stuck on your formula. You know how like a math problem has the left-hand side expression and the right-hand side expression? You have an equal sign between them.
0: Like X equals Y.
1: Yes, yes. So I'm all for on the left-hand side. Try this and that and see what happens. You know, believe in some things that you think will help your family, your children, lead a responsible, healthy, happy life. But don't be so rigid in believing that you're going to get exactly what you think you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my faith culture formulas are pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And years and years ago, leaders in our church said if you will have a family night once a week your children may stray from the faith but they will never leave it for good they'll come back
0: because of a weekly family night
1: because of a weekly family night
0: like x equals y yes right side of the equation equals left side
1: Yes. And there's a lot in that. Like the family night, is it supposed to all be spiritual? Are we just supposed to have fun? Can imagine there's so many variables in that. Do I think a family night once a week is great? I think it's so great. I think we've had so many fun family nights, but expecting that for sure I'm going to have children that stay in my religious faith because of that. If the reason you are doing the left-hand side of the expression is to get a child to be a certain way, you're never going to be happy. Mm -mm. It's never going to work. But if the reason you're doing the left hand side is to have great family moments, to try to teach your children some of your beliefs, To have fun together as a family.
0: To live in integrity with your values. Yes. You're like, I genuinely want to do this. Not because I think it's going to mold my children into a certain way, because I recognize they're human beings that are going to have a nuanced life experience. I'm doing this because I want to, because it's important to me. That's very different than X equals Y.
1: (laughs) Right. So was family night good? Yes, it was so great. But did I get children that just have my exact same faith values? No, that's not happening. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But I could see that I have a lot of these formulas. Another example might be, you know, if you read with your child for 20 minutes a day, your child's going to be a good reader and love reading. Well, I think it's great to read with your child 20 minutes a day but like, I hated those Disney books. I just couldn't scan them. And I had one kid that loved them and I just stopped reading with them because I could not read those Disney books anymore. I'm like, we could just watch the movie. I can't read this book. So (laughs) is that why that child doesn't like to read? I don't know, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe they just don't like to read. I don't know. I'm just saying, just don't expect Something to happen. And for like teens, I had a lot of formulas for my teens. Teens should only double date. That will equal that they'll have more mature adult relationships. Maybe, but maybe they'll still have unhealthy, challenging relationships as an adult. And maybe if they are on a sports team, they'll have healthier bodies, but maybe they'll eat so much junk food on the bus ride, which I swear they do. that they're sick and unhealthy. So I just don't think the outcome that I thought was on the other side of the equal sign is necessarily what I'm going to get.
0: And if you're pinning your hopes on that, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed in your child and you're going to be disappointed in yourself. Like I did the equation. I did the steps and my child isn't towing the line. Right. It's such a frustrating, hard place for both of you to be in. It is.
1: It is. And I think one of the best ways that I've kind of let go of that other side of the equal sign, like if they do this and this and this, and if I have them in this program, they're going to be X, Y, and Z. Instead, just be curious. Like when you're watching them not doing what you thought they would be doing, just say, is that so interesting? You know, and I try to say that without judgment. That's so curious thought. This is what she or he's choosing to do. I really thought we had the right formula over here on the left side, but this is interesting. Who knows? Maybe this is going to work for them.
0: Yeah. But I think getting curious about your own formulas and decide, I'm going to do the left side of the equation because I want to, not because it's like a vending machine that if I put in the coins, then my kids will come out a certain way because that's not the way human beings work. So do what you believe and value, but not for a specific outcome, but for your own integrity.
1: You know, and it will save you a lot of disappointment because you'll just always be able to go back to. No, the reason I did this was because I really believed in it and it was fun and I liked it. And those experiences for me were good. I don't know about him or her, but I think they'll figure it out. It's going to be okay.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's such an empowering belief as a parent. They're going to figure it out. It's going to be okay. And I think that leads really well into our third takeaway, which really comes from a personal experience that you had with your daughter that I was able to sort of walk with you through. I heard the ups and downs of it as it was going on, and I was just so impressed with the way that both you and your daughter handled it. So why don't you tell us your third takeaway and then kind of your experience that led you to that?
1: Okay. So give yourself permission to change the rules. And I really had to do this because of the different age groups, and I really raised children in different eras. Yes, so- I asked my 17-year-old daughter, she's our last, if I could share this story. And her only stipulation was just don't make me sound bad. <laughs> Which is what all of us want, right? I as a parent, I've made so many mistakes. I've judged, I yelled, I've coerced, I've punished, I manipulated. But I've really tried to be a good mom, even a great one.
0: Yes. And that's what our kids want too. They're like, I'm trying my best. I'm getting through this. Like, please see the good in me and share the honest parts of our life, but from a lens of positivity, you know, and that really speaks to this takeaway that you're going to share.
1: Well, when she was 15, we had the dreaded COVID lockdown and I actually thought it was just great. We were all together as a family. Well, the funny thing is, is All was just me, her dad, and my daughter, Tanny is her name. (laughs) So you're like, this is so fun. And she's like, this isn't that fun. I remember one time she was sitting at the table and we were teasing her a little bit. It was during a dinner and it was during lockdown. And she just put her head down and started to cry and said, I don't know if I can keep doing this with you guys. Then I got it. I was like, oh, she's missing all her social. She's not going to school. She can't be with her friends. And she's just stuck with these two older parents, this poor girl. So when school started back up, our district unfortunately went to just two days a week. It was uh, the worst. It was the worst. And my daughter went Tuesday, Thursday. And it was because her last name began in B. So A through L went on Tuesday and Thursday, and M through Z went on Monday, Wednesday. And unfortunately, all her close friends. We're going the other days. So she got a different group of friends and she started doing some risky behavior, which at first she kept it hidden. We didn't know what was going on, but she started hanging out with these other kids and she was just doing some risky things. When we figured it out, I took her phone for a period of time and I restricted her from some events for a while When I gave the phone back, I made her delete apps and, you know, like all the things I would have done with the older kids if they would have had smartphones, like some restrictions and, okay, we're going to get back on track. And
0: I'm going to police this. I'm I'm going to police this.
1: this. And, you know, so of course, what does she do? She starts going underground more, right? So she starts trying to to hide more what she's doing and who she's hanging out with. And you can imagine this became like a super cycle of anxiety, non trust, suspicion on both of our parts. So I'm like snooping around on her phone every night. And I was so unhappy, and she was so unhappy. Finally, I really felt like I was going to lose my mind because I was imagining the worst case scenarios and the world was kind of crazy at that time. And Mm -hmm. I just, I was so stressed and anxious. So I talked to a friend and she happens to be my life coach and she could just see how anxious I was. And she said, Hey, why don't you try something different? So I did. We kind of wrote up an idea of what we could do. And so I wrote this letter to my daughter and I knew we would be driving home from a sporting event for two hours and she had her driver's license. So I had her drive so I could read the letter to her. And I Mm -hmm. just asked her if she would want to do the way we were doing things differently. And right away she said, oh, I want to try a different way. And I said, but wait, I want you to imagine what it's going to look like. And I told her right from the beginning, I would stop snooping around on her phone, but she would need to tell me the truth. And so I went through, like, I had like probably 10 scenarios. Every bad thing I thought could happen, you know, you'd written them out and you read it. I written them out and I read it like every scenario. So I'll give you an example. I said, so if you asked to go to a party, I would ask if there would be parents there and you would answer either yes or no,
0: because you would would be honest.
1: You would tell me the truth. Mm. And then we would talk about like if there were no parents there, what I thought about that, what the risk would be. And we would make a decision together whether you could go. And then I would ask, is there going to be alcohol there? And so you would tell me the truth. And then I would ask you, are you planning on drinking? And you would probably say no. But if you were thinking you were going to drink, you would have to tell me the truth. And if you said yes, this is how we'd handle it. we talk about why you were going to drink, what you were going to get for that. we talk about who else would be at the party. we talk about keeping you safe, getting your home safe. And then once we had a good plan, we decide together what you would do. And what you would get for this is no judgment, no more of my snooping. And what I would get was honesty so I could feel safe and not be so anxious. And she said, yes, yes, I want to do it. We talked about all those scenarios. Some of them were uncomfortable, like when you're talking about sex and you're talking about drugs and you're talking about risky behavior. At the end of it, I said, you know, if you decide to live a life like your sisters, more their past, I want you to know I will love you. And if you decide to live a life different than they have and I have, I will love you. I knew she knew that but she just put her head down and cried because that's what we all want to know that at the end of the day, if we make all the wrong decisions, if we take all the hard trips, we just want to know our mom and dad love us. The rest of the story is we both made some mistakes. I still snooped once in a while and she didn't always tell me the truth, but we had already put into our plan that we might not be perfect at not snooping and not trusting and -hmm. not always telling the truth. And so we just worked through it and we gave each other grace. And then two years later, she's sending applications out to universities. We have a pretty honest, friendly relationship. We're way closer than we were when she was 15. I feel like she's making really solid, healthy choices, which lead to a pretty happy kid. So... Some of the risky behavior did just change right away because I think when she was just honest and telling us, it like took all the excitement kind of out of it. Mm,
0: Yeah. Well, and it's like a sense of when you feel like you're being coerced, you feel the need to rebel. And when you no longer are feeling controlled and coerced, You don't have to rebel in the same way that you did. It makes so much sense. All human beings are that way. We would want to make our own choices and to feel that people trust us. And teenagers are no different.
1: Oh, so true. I think just being curious and helping them to know that, you know, no matter what happens, it's going to be okay.
0: And I will love you no matter what. And not just I will love you, but I will trust Respect, not think you are stupid. That's all any child wants is to know that. Yeah, it's
1: not all about this one formula that you saw for me that you still love me for me, no matter what I choose.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, Michelle, you have learned some hard lessons these last few years, but it's good. Hard is it's good. It's so
1: good. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's funny because. I feel like kids help you become who you're supposed to be.
0: Yep. Being a good mother is not about the way your children turn out. It's about the way you turn out. I'm really trying to absorb these lessons and learn how to be a more patient, loving, forgiving, wise human being because of my parenting. And I have seen that in you. I have seen the incredible person you've always been but that you are continuing to be and grow and become an even better version of yourself because of these hard last few years so I'm just honored to be your friend and I'm grateful that you could come on and share some of these stories and lessons with the listeners of three and thirty
1: well I'm honored to be your friend and I'm so glad you guys moved here you're just such an asset
0: to my life she's amazing isn't she I'm just so grateful to be able to share her on the podcast today so all of you can get to know and love her as well. I know the stories from her life are going to stay with you, and by way of recap, here are Michelle's three takeaways for when parenting teens and young adults doesn't go exactly the way you pictured. First, allow your child to have their own story. As parents, we like to decide on a happy narrative for our children's lives, and we often push that narrative without realizing that we aren't leaving space for them to process their questions, doubts, fears, and beliefs. It's so important for us to be open to hearing their version of their story without discounting it or being threatened by or afraid of it. When we admit to our children, I don't know all the reasons and allow them to explore their own ideas, we give them a tremendous gift. Second, don't get stuck on your formula. In parenting, we can start to believe that if we do X, Y, Z, then our children will turn out like X, Y, Z. But human beings don't follow formulas. And if you get too fixated on your desired outcomes, you risk damaging your relationship with your child, who doesn't want to feel like part of a math equation. Do what you do as a parent because you want to, because it truly aligns with your values and the way you want to parent, and because it makes you happy. Then regardless of the outcomes or the way your child, quote, turns out, you will know you parented with love and intention. And third and finally, give yourself permission to change the rules. If you realize that something is not working in your parenting, it's never too late to try something else. A good indicator might be if you have high anxiety or high conflict in your relationship with one of your children, maybe it's time to try a different approach. Yes, some anxiety, conflict, and stress is inevitable in parenting, but if it's starting to feel like too much, it's okay to change the rules. In Michelle's case, this meant leaning into more trust and openness with her daughter and reassuring her that no matter what decision she made, She would always love and respect her. Thank you so much, my friends, for listening in today and going deep with me and Michelle. I'm beyond grateful that you're using 3 and 30 as part of your process to becoming the mom and person that you want to be. We are all in this together, doing our best, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.